You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about whether or not we can recover after a head injury. Welcome, Mary. How are you? Hello, I'm great. This is an interesting topic to me. Like, I was just thinking about how we see a lot of people comment in the group. They've been having migraines since a a head injury years and years and years ago. So I think it's a great topic to cover. Yeah, this comes up a lot because head injuries are fairly common and migraines are pretty common too. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, when our head hurts, right, we wonder, is there something wrong with my head? What happened to my head? And so if we've had a head injury in our past, this is where our mind starts to go. Could this be because of my head injury? So here's my question. Like when you say head injury, what types of head injuries have you seen over the years that people complain of and end up with migraines? So most common head injuries that my clients have told me about, definitely motor vehicle accidents. That's going to be a big one. Could be whiplash, could be hitting their head on something in the vehicle. That's very common. I've had a fair number of people fall off horses and hit their head falling off a horse. And then other things would be sort of like, you might call them freak accidents. So, you know, a rock kind of like falling out of the sky or coming out of nowhere and hitting them sort of wrong place at the wrong time. Those types of what you might call freak accidents, where something came out from nowhere and hit them in the head. And, you know, you talk about being scared, right? So with head injuries, you know, anytime, anytime we have an injury, anytime there's an accident, there's, you're going to have a post-traumatic response to that. You're walking down the street and a piece of cement bounces off the back of a pickup truck and hits you in the head right (laughs) out of nowhere. You know, that's going to generate a post-traumatic response. I was not laughing at the cement hitting you. I just had an image of we played soccer in my backyard the other day and one of my kids kicked the ball really hard and hit me upside the head and I had no idea it was coming at my my direction. So I just had that image hit me at the wrong time. I'm so sorry for laughing at the wrong time. No, no, but yeah, it's right. No, I've heard that described to me, right? I've heard that happen to people. Believe it or not, soccer balls in the head actually really hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or people are in the stands watching a game and a ball, you know, comes out of nowhere and hits them. Absolutely. Right. Sorry. Totally inappropriate laughter at that moment. (laughs) Well, there's a little bit of element of like America's Funniest Home Videos to this too, right? Like how many head injuries do you see on that show? (laughs) Like, especially if you're the victim, because you can't help but be like, whoa, that was embarrassing. And yeah. Yeah. My friends at the soccer field are constantly laughing at me because they're like, you're like a magnet to the ball. Because I have been hit on the sidelines so many times. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. So yeah, you know, and that's actually pretty common too, where people will be in multiple motor vehicle accidents, right? You have some people they've never been in a motor vehicle accident in their life. And other people they're like, you know, I've had three head injuries and motor vehicle accidents. Right. And it's like, how much can that brain take? Right? Well, and more and more research is coming out. We just, you know, just a few years ago, right, it came to light just how affected athletes that play at a high level 
like football players or soccer players, right? A, a soccer player playing at a high level is continuously using their head on the ball. Obviously, football players are taking an impact, right? It's an impact sport. And so more and more research is coming to light with those small, you know, multiple over and over again, small level head injuries impacting people's cognitive ability. Well, and what blows my mind is that it can actually change your personality. Like how scary is that? Anyway, so there's so many ways that you could be the victim of a head injury. I mean, it's a little bit sad because you could just literally be going about your normal life, minding your business, and suddenly your life has changed. So the good news is, is that our bodies have the ability to heal and recover from injuries. And the brain can recover from injuries. And, you know, it used to be said if a nerve cell was damaged, that was it. You know, the standard wisdom was nerve cells don't regenerate. Well, that's not true. Nerve cells can regenerate. They regenerate more slowly than other cells in the body do, but they can regenerate. So the good news is we do have an amazing ability to heal and recover from injuries. The question is, how do we do that? What is required to recover from an injury? So what is required to recover from an injury is the same thing that's required to recover from a chronic health condition, right? An an injury would be more like an acute phenomenon, an acute injury versus a chronic health condition. Well, there are the same thing that we need to do to recover from an acute injury is the same thing we need to do to recover from a chronic health problem. And these are what I call the three principles. So if you've been following my work, you've heard me talk about these three principles (laughs) many, many times. Mary, you might be, you can probably uh, recite these in your sleep by now. I'm getting there. So those three things that we have to do to heal and recover from an injury are what I call the three principles. So we have to have the nutrients that the injured cells or the injured tissue need. So we have to have the nutrients that those cells need to heal and recover. We have to clear the metabolic waste material and byproducts that are going to be generated as part of the healing process from that tissue. And then we have to get that out of the body totally. And then we have to have enough vitality for the tissue to heal. We have to have enough energy at the cellular level for that injured tissue to heal. So this is why people can have the same injury, right? You can take two people, you can take two women, same age, same life history, same injury, and have a very, very different prognosis after that injury or very, very different healing response after that injury. Right. So I was going to ask you, like, is the likelihood of healing, does that have to do with, okay, I already had a deficit in these areas before I was injured? Or does the injury itself create a deficit? Uh, Very good question. So yes. So if we get into that motor vehicle accident, bang our head on the steering wheel, our status within those three principles is going to have a tremendous impact on how we heal and recover from that injury. So yes, the state of the person within those three principles as they get into that accident is going to have a profound impact. The other thing too is the trauma from the accident can also impact our healing. So within that third principle, we have to have that 
vitality to heal. So somebody that's already struggling with health issues is basically in the negative like twice as much as somebody that maybe wasn't struggling and then they are having a struggle to heal. That's hard. Yes. That's really hard. But we can, so again, with like with a motor vehicle accident, because that is so out of the blue, so unexpected, we can have that, It's you know, it's highly likely that we're going to have a post-traumatic response. So it's very common. I've seen this with several clients. Their body on an unconscious level remains on high alert after that accident, right? Because it's like, okay, I don't want that to happen again. So I better be on the lookout all the time. And so again, the person is not consciously doing this. This is happening at the unconscious level. But if we are like always kind of always looking over our shoulder energetically after that accident, that is going to drain our vitality. And we talked a tiny bit about trauma in the last episode where it does almost feel like your cells are on high alert for a while depending on how extreme the trauma was. For people who have been through a more chronic trauma, like you know, long-term abuse or like a POW in the war, that would be a much higher level of trauma. And so their body would be on high alert for a lot longer than maybe the, the accident that you were in in your car. You were probably on high alert for a few days or a few weeks or whatever. Yes. Yeah, so the person's trauma history, if you will, can impact this, right? So if I get in a car accident, I'm going to have this hyper alert response, this post-traumatic response, pretty much guaranteed. But let's say I was already on high alert on an unconscious level because of past trauma that I experienced. Let's say that on the unconscious level, because of my past, say, family dynamic, I felt like, you know, maybe um, this is a, you know, what would be a common dynamic for people. So I've had many clients that because of the family dynamic, when they were a child, there was an unconscious belief that got laid down that nobody was there for them and they needed to you know, they were the only people that would take care of them. So if I have that unconscious belief and then I get in a car accident and I go through that trauma of the car accident, that can reinforce that belief that, you know, I've got to look out for myself. Nobody else is going to do it. And I let myself down because I wasn't monitoring the mirrors. I wasn't looking out well enough. I let something slip through. And they know Trauma victims are so hypervigilant. I'm not trying to be like about me or anything, but like I shared in the last episode, I was through, went through three, four bank robberies, right? That was 20 years ago. And to this day, I never sit with my back to a door in a public place. And it's totally subconscious. Like I'll walk in at a restaurant, get a seat and then realize I did it again. (laughs) Like My subconscious will not stop doing that. So it's, it's not a light thing. I think it's very, very valuable to make sure that people who have been through trauma are validated that it is a very real thing that you're dealing with. It is a very real thing. And this is why it's, it's crucial to work on this level and actually clear that post-traumatic response, because we don't want to be on high alert for decades. That's very vitality draining. Right. 
So, and then we go back to the head injury thing. Like we were talking about, if you are already vitality drained and you get your head injury, the head injury itself may not have caused the migraines, but it's the inability to heal because your vitality is drained. Am I following you? Well, yeah. So, you know, let's go back to that tissue level. So one way to kind of think about this, right, is let's say we cut our skin chopping vegetables, right? We've kind of sliced our finger chopping vegetables. So for that little cut to heal, well, those skin cells, they have to have the nutrients they need for repair. They have to flush out the metabolic waste material that's generated in the healing process. And we've got to get that out of the body. And then there has to be enough vitality or voltage in those cells in order for them to regenerate and heal that cut. And so you can see that difference, right? Some people, they cut their finger two days later, they're good to go. You can hardly tell it was cut versus say, you know, maybe uh, an 85 year old cuts their finger So it's a lifetime of, you know, nutrient depletion, metabolic waste material overload, and lack of vitality. You can have an 85-year-old cut themselves and it still be open two, three weeks later. So So we can see that taking place on the surface of the skin. We can see that difference in the healing response that people have. You can have an 85-year-old who is not deficient in those three areas and they're going to heal in a couple days. So when we have that head injury, you want to think about that taking place, that healing taking place at that tissue level. So we have, say, the bruise on the scalp, right? We have the bones in the skull. They may have been knocked a little bit out of alignment, but they will heal and move themselves back into alignment if you have those three things in place. Sometimes, and we talked about this in another podcast, sometimes the alignment of the bones or the joints can get so far out of alignment that you need a skilled expert to help kind of move them back into place. But for many, many injuries, our body, as it's healing the area, is going to move things back into the proper position. And then you might have a little bit of, uh, you know, contusion on the brain itself. And again, that'll heal. That can heal. So we have to check all three of those boxes for those tissues to heal after a head injury. Now, the vitality issue connects in with the trauma issue. So if we are kind of still in that trauma state due to past trauma and the accident kind of clicks in, if the accident resonates with the underlying trauma, you know, like if we sort of in the unconscious, we feel like we're never safe. Anywhere I go, I'm not safe. Well, being in an accident out of the blue would reinforce that unconscious belief that got laid down from that past trauma. And so that's going to be even more of a vitality drain. This is where you could have the same accident if somebody doesn't have this underlying belief in the unconscious that I'm never safe wherever I go, then getting injured, right? They're more likely to say, oh, well, that was a one-off yeah, that was horrible, but you know, that was a, that was a one-off accident. If the person already has this belief in the unconscious from past trauma that hasn't been resolved that, you know, the world is not safe for me, well then the accident's like, oh, here I go again. You know, I I'm not even safe driving down the street, right? It reinforces that past belief that got laid down with the previous trauma. So this is why it's important to, if we have previous trauma, we want to work to heal that. We want to work to release these things that are in the unconscious so that when we have 
you know, life is pretty hard. You know, there's a lot of stuff that hits us out of the blue, literally or metaphorically, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> like soccer balls. <laughs> exactly, right? We have the metaphorical soccer balls too that hit us. We are in a much better position to heal and recover from those things if we are not carrying around these unconscious beliefs that were laid down with previous traumas. And just as an aside, you know, there's a lot more talk about the impact that traumatic experiences have on people, which is fantastic. But I always want to reiterate to people that just because you have had a traumatic experience and you may be currently kind of carrying around some things in the unconscious because of that, we can heal and recover from that. We want to let go of those things that we're holding in our unconscious. And we truly want to heal from those traumatic experiences. And this is possible. And this is not, I don't hear that being talked about as much. What I hear being talked about more is, you know, yes, people have effects from trauma. So, you know, be, be nicer to them. And, and I'm not saying people should be mean to each other, right? But it's like people can be nice to us over and over and over again. We're still not going to feel better because we are still holding on on the unconscious level to things that need to be healed. And I think we covered just a little bit in the last episode talking about how intertwined the physical and the, the emotional is. I think it's interesting that in order to be able to heal even a head injury, there's some component that we have to deal with the emotional impact as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because you can see, right, the healing response, you know, again, when you have two women, same age, same body weight, same, you know, whatever characteristics, but if one person has blockers or missing pieces in these three principles, they're going to have a very different healing outcome from that injury. So let me ask you a silly question, but like, if I came to you and I have a head injury, how would you evaluate that and decide how to help me? Great question. So what I'm looking for is, are there blockers or missing pieces within these three principles? And if there are not, then they need someone other than me to help them recover from the head injury. Usually, the vast majority of the time, people who reach out to me and they say, well, you know, I'm not sure if you can help me because this all started after a head injury. It, they have very clear blockers or missing pieces within these three principles. So then you have to ask the question, well, what if we filled up these buckets? What if we check these boxes? Wouldn't your body then start to heal from this injury? And I see that over and over again. When we check those boxes, when we fill up those buckets, then the healing process starts and people recover from those injuries. So, you know, there can be situations where, you know, like, for example, if you have a splinter in your eye and your eye is all red and it hurts and it's tearing and you say, oh, doctor, help me. My eye is all red and it hurts and it's, you know, watering all the time. Just putting eye drops in there is not going to help. You got to get the splinter out first and then start to administer, you know, some healing therapies to heal the eye. Right. But first we got to get that splinter out. So if someone has no blockers or missing pieces within those three principles, it's sort of like there's a splinter there that's got to get taken out. And usually what that means is they need maybe a chiropractic adjustment. They have, uh, you know, the bones of the skull have been severely misaligned, 
right? And they need to be put back into place. There's like an anatomical issue resulting from the injury that needs to be corrected. But most of the people who reach out to me, they've already had imaging. Nothing's out of alignment. They've already gone to a chiropractor. You know, they've already done these kind of physical therapies because, you know, a lot of people after they get in an accident are going to go to a chiropractor, right? So they've already kind of had that physical piece done and still they're not healing. Well, if we don't have a splinter in the eye and your eyes red and watering and painful, you're, you know, it's because we have some deficiencies or missing pieces within those three principles that's preventing your eye from healing. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So if I'm sitting down and talking to you and I give you like a history of my accident and my head injury, and then you would follow up with like, okay, what have you done so far kind of a thing to treat it? and dive into, I'm assuming like nutrition and kind of just like an overall view of their whole health history. Well, so when we have blockers or missing pieces within these three principles, there are telltale symptoms that the body generates. And that's what I'm looking for. So for example, like within the first principle, which is getting the nutrients to every cell in the body or getting the nutrients to the injured area. So there are three main sort of steps to that first principle. So first of all, we have to eat adequate nutrients, right? The nutrients should be in our food and we have to be eating a nutrient rich diet. So that's one thing that I assess when I work with people. Are you eating enough nutrients? I'll be honest with you. Most people are not. So we need to make some changes to eating habits, right? Then once we eat the food, we have to have adequate digestive function so that we can actually get the nutrients out of the food. So when we don't have adequate digestive function, we have symptoms of that. So what are those symptoms? Well, they could probably about 20 different symptoms. So we could have, you know, chronic dry mouth. We could have difficulty swallowing. We could have food getting stuck in the esophagus. We could be prone to hiccups. We could take a couple bites and feel full. Oh, geez, it feels like the food is sitting in my stomach. We could have a low appetite. We could have food cravings. We could have heartburn, reflux, belching, burping. We can have bloating. We can have rumbling and gurgling, right? We can, you know, be constipated or having loose stools. We can have blood or mucus in the stools. So when we don't have adequate digestive function, there are symptoms that signal that, right? And so- I know it has always stuck in my head how you have said, if your digestive system is working, you should not be aware of it. And Correct. Like, <laughs> I cannot get over that. I know, <laughs> like, right? This- I'm far more aware of my digestive system than I wish I could be. (laughs) Exactly. This is news to a lot of people, right? Because again, we think it's normal to have heartburn after eating spicy food or tomatoes. That's not normal. Our stomach acid is a pH one. So a tomato is not... Not a pH of one. <laughs> it should not be as threatening as it is in your middle age. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, when when I'm assessing someone, I'm looking for those symptoms because if we are not able to get the nutrients out of the food that we're eating, we're going to have a blocker to getting the nutrients to every cell in the body. And then after we get the nutrients out of the food, we have to circulate the nutrients to every cell in the body. We actually got to get them there. And then our blood has to be functioning properly. Our blood is an organ. We don't think of our blood as an organ. We think of it as this red stuff that just kind of gets 
gets pumped around and stuff floats around in it. Stuff does not just float around in our blood. Most things are transported by carrier molecules in the blood. And there's a lot of hormonal signaling that takes place. We have to generate those carrier molecules. I fully believe that we have in no way understood the physiology of the blood. It's an unbelievably complex organ. And so we have to have the blood functioning properly and so that we can actually get the nutrients to the cells. Okay. So when we have a deficiency in the function of the blood, there are telltale symptoms, <laughs> just like with our digestive function. So what are those? Well, boy, here's this is a long list, a very, very common long list. So if we have dizziness, numbness, tingling, if we, you know, get up from a chair and we feel like we're getting dizzy or blacking out, if we have Raynaud syndrome, if we have actual nutrient deficiencies that have been detected, like iron deficiency anemia, okay, very common for women. If we have never been well since pregnancy or childbirth or breastfeeding, guess what? The baby got the nutrients. <laughs> and they guess where the baby got them from, right? Our body is going to give everything to the baby and take it from us. And that can really, really deplete the blood. And so those are just some of the symptoms. Hot flashes, that's another common one feeling too chilly, feeling too hot, cold hands, cold feet. I feel feet. like you're just like listing my normal day, but no. <laughs> well, again, right? I'm 30 something, so here we are. <laughs> exactly, right? No, these are symptoms. These are symptoms of a deficiency in the function of the blood and getting those nutrients to every cell in the body. So that's just the first principle. There's two other principles. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you list all of those symptoms, it's really kind of, I don't want to say sad, but for lack of a better word, it's really sad to see a lot of our group members, you know, daily are like, I am dealing with all of this, you know, this symptom, that symptom and another. And it's literally 90% of what you just listed, depending on who is talking, like so common. Correct. And you're not going to pick this up on blood work. This does not come back on imaging. And so people go into the doctor and they say, you know, I have all these, I have migraines and I have all this other kind of stuff. And the doctor says, oh, you're healthy. Everything's great. No, these are symptoms of a blocker or a missing piece just within the first principle. We don't have time today for me to list everything. <laughs> all of those symptoms that indicate a blocker or a missing piece within the second and the third principles. Okay. So, you know, when people hear me talk about, oh, the first principle is getting the nutrients to every cell in the body, they think I'm talking about a migraine diet. I'm not talking about a migraine diet, right? It's much more complicated than even what we're eating. And you're not talking about finding your triggers and tracking your food. And you're not talking about avoiding. Uh, we've talked about digestion in another episode. And it's like, we're not talking about turning yourself upside down to avoid all your foods that you shouldn't be eating. Exactly. You know, you and I and everybody listening, just because we're prone to migraines does not mean that we need to eat in a special way. We need to be eating a diet that contains adequate nutrients. And if people are not doing that, I've, I help them do that. And I love helping people do that. But there can even be some blockers to that. I mean, many people are recovering from eating disorders. Many people have had trauma at mealtimes. So, you know, even just how we choose what we're eating, this can be a big barrier for people on the mental and emotional side. 
So, you know, you can't just have people read a book or just give them a list of foods, you know, eat these foods, don't eat these foods. You know, again, when I'm assessing clients, okay, well, if you aren't currently eating enough nutrients, why not? I mean, the reason why could be many, many different reasons. You know, I've had clients that have a work environment where they aren't given adequate time to eat lunch, and that impacts their ability to eat enough nutrients. So as part of their healing process, we've got to figure that out. We got to figure out, okay, you can't quit your job. Your job is what it is. They are only giving you 20 minutes. So you know, what can we do? What can we adjust with other meals? How can we make this 20 minutes as, you know, profitable as possible? This can be part of someone's healing process is navigating their job. If someone is recovering from an eating disorder, there's a whole mental and emotional aspect that we have to take into consideration here. So, you know, even the first step of the first principle can, for some people, be a big hurdle. It can be no joke. For a lot of people. I know you've talked about like when you were a child and I probably was exactly the same thing. I think growing up, we ate like three foods, you know, <laughs> like it was just normal to eat certain things. Like I think my family ate a lot of SpaghettiOs. I remember a lot of SpaghettiOs or whatever. And so it's like, if you only know one way of doing nutrition, those habits are pretty hard to change. Not impossible, but it takes a level of awareness and commitment to get that change to happen. Absolutely. That's why I work so closely with my clients. I don't just give people a handout. If it were as easy as just giving people a handout, eat this food, don't eat this food, nobody would have any problems. So kind of bringing it back here, right, to healing and recovering from an injury. So we take these two women, two women, same age, same characteristics, driving their car and both of them getting in a car accident. I mean, the variables where those two women could be within those three principles at the moment of impact, it's going to have a tremendous impact on their ability to heal from that injury. So I'm just curious, like if I have a head injury, why is that producing a migraine? Is it because of the three principles aren't being filled or is there a pinched nerve? Is there like, what exactly do you have a bruise on your brain? Why is it causing an a migraine. So this is the conclusion. Well, I guess maybe I don't even want to say the word conclusion, but this is my hypothesis right now. Working with many, many women who have had a head injury and then developed migraines after the head injury and then helping them heal. It's not the accident per se. It is kind of the final straw on the camel's back, so to speak. So when we have, when we go in to the accident with deficiencies in those three areas, we are kind of like, we're kind of hanging over the edge of a cliff, but we don't realize it. And then the stress of that accident, the physical stress of the injury, and then the mental and emotional stress of the accident kind of poof, pushes us over the edge and pushes us into migraine zone. So before the accident, we have to be predisposed to migraines. Now, you know, we we aren't going to know that we're predisposed to migraines until we start getting migraines. 
Now, most of my clients who have had a head injury and have gotten chronic migraines after a head injury, most of my clients, not all, but most of my clients will say, yeah, before the accident, I would get a migraine a couple times a year, but I would just take an Excedrin or I would take an Aleve and I'd be good to go. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't really interfering with my life that much. But then the accident is sort of like poof, right? It just pushed them over the cliff and they landed in migraine land migraine zone. It's like a catalyst for what was already set there in the motion. Like- right. They had a predisposition towards it. And a few times a year, they would go into migraine zone and they would get a migraine, but they were able, they had enough vitality to kind of get themselves out of the zone. And then they would just carry on with their life. And they didn't think that the dizziness and the hot flashes and the belching, they didn't think that had anything to do with their health, but they got that in the accident and then poof, right? That they got knocked off the cliff and, and, you know, landed in migraine zone. And now they're stuck there. My laugh because it's all too familiar sometimes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel attacked here. No. <laughs> oh, I just said, I, I feel seen all of a sudden, like, are you touching me? Like... <laughs> So, yeah. So, you know, again, to us, right, because we thought when we were driving the car that day, because we thought we were in, we were healthy, because that's what our doctor told us. And these other symptoms of some blockers or missing pieces within these three, three principles, we didn't realize what they were. To us, it seems like it's out of the blue. It seems like it was the accident that did it. But in taking the case history, what I find over and over again is no, the person was hanging on by their fingernails off the edge of a cliff. And this is what did it. Yeah, I've really had a shift in how I look at all the things that are happening in my body. Because before, like, like you kind of said, it's just like, oh, well, this is just life when you're 46. You know, like, this is just aches and pains are normal for my situation or whatever. But after all these podcasts, I'm finally understanding that like, no, that's a red flag telling you your body's not doing like you're not where you need to be health wise. And I think that's very interesting to shift that perspective. You know, I've had again, because I, I do the detailed assessment that I do and I go over with my clients. These are the blockers and the missing pieces that you have that's preventing your body from healing and recovering, whether they, you know, have never felt well after an accident or not, you know, I've had clients say, oh, now I realize I was focused on the migraines, but the migraines are like a second or third level manifestation of my health, right? At a very, very fundamental level. I wasn't in a state of health because I had all of these symptoms that I didn't even know were symptoms. Exactly. I think we've been conditioned in our culture to just like gloss over most of our symptoms just be like oh it's just normal for when you're 46 like I said that's just life when you're in a middle age (laughs) that's how it is when you've had a baby that's how it is when you eat a tomato like we're just taught to like oh accept that our health is just a normal way of life well and you know look at the advertisements right like I keep thinking of like the um you know, the Nexium commercials or the Pepto-Bismol commercials. And, you know, they got somebody eating a piece of pizza, watching a ball game and going, oh, my stomach, right? You know, and they kind of present it like, well, it was the pizza. It was the pepperoni. It was the tomato sauce. Like it was the pizza's fault. <laughs> exactly. And then if it's the pizza's fault, then 
we need something to antidote the pizza. And that's the outside medication, the Pepto, the Nexium. Because, oh, it's the pizza's fault that I got this. So I need another thing outside of me to antidote this thing that's not me causing the problem. When in fact, we should be able to eat pizza. You know, we should be able to eat a slice of pizza. Now, again, if somebody eats an entire, you know, extra large pizza and doesn't feel well afterwards, it's not a big shock, you know, but we should be able to have a piece of pizza and not have digestive symptoms. We should be able to break pizza down. So when we can't, it's not really the pizza's fault. It's our digestion. Our digestion is not functioning properly to break the food down that we're eating. And I just want to throw this in here because I have a heart like I feel like there's so many things in this world that make us feel guilty that we're not doing the right things eating the right things exercising enough like there's so many things that we're supposed to do for our health and at the end of the day it can make you feel really bad about yourself I just want to say like you know it doesn't help us to add beating ourselves up over our health issues like on top of everything else that everyone's dealing with being gentle and trying to like give ourselves some grace. And it's okay when you come out of the, you know, the symptoms and you have your shift of perspective to go, oh my gosh, I'm a hot mess, but not beat yourself up over it. And it's okay to make changes without berating yourself for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And the beautiful thing is, is if it's the pizza causing the problem, we have no hope. If it's our digestive function that's generating the symptoms when we eat pizza, we can improve our digestive function. Like, I help my clients do that all the time. It's one of the most common things that we have to work on. And it's pretty easy to restore digestive function in most people. So if it's our own digestive function that needs to be improved, we can do that. And then we can eat pizza. But if it's the pizza's fault, we're doomed. We have no hope. We're reliant. We're reliant on the factory that makes Pepto-Bismol. We're reliant on the truck driver that brings the Pepto-Bismol to the Walgreens. And we're reliant on the clerk at the Walgreens to sell us the Pepto, right? We are like totally at the mercy of this whole supply chain so that we don't have the heartburn. But it's not a matter of like, it's your fault that your digestion isn't working. It's like, oh no, your digestion isn't working and we can get it working. Like, let's do this. And then you can eat food and not be dependent on these external things. Well, and back to head injuries too. Like I feel the same thing. If we go, oh, it's the, it's caused by the head injury. That's a very hopeless feeling. Like I didn't do anything to make my head injury happen. It happened to me, but it makes people feel very hopeless that they can fix it. So if you're shifting your perspective in this way, you're like, oh, but there are things that you can do and that restores some hope, right? Right. If I have not recovered physically, mentally, emotionally from a head injury 10 years ago, let's let me get to work because I can heal and recover, right? It's a totally different world that we're living in. When we realize that our bodies can heal and recover, if we check the boxes in these three principles that our body is going to respond. It's going to start to heal. And so what a world to live in versus, oh gosh, I wish I had never gone down that street for, you know, for the rest of my life thinking that. It's a horrible world to live in. And it's a false world, unfortunately, that we're living in. Living in that a victim mentality. And I hate using that word because being a victim of a trauma is a genuine thing. Like it's not something to be taken lightly, but staying in a victim mentality of there's nothing I can do is so debilitating. It really is. 
And I have seen people recover physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, on profound, deep levels. And it's not because of what I did. It's because of what they did. Yes, I was a guide to them, but they did that healing. We all have that potential within us. One last question. Is there ever a time someone comes to you and describes their head injury and it's not something that you can help with? Like, yes. Uh, like, and I know you um, from working with you for quite a while now, and you're upfront about that. Like, you're not going to, like, a regular chiropractor is going to say, Oh, of course I can help you and take your money regardless, right? <laughs> not saying all chiropractors are bad people. And that's not my point, but the upfront and honesty. And you'll tell people which direction they need to go in. Yes, 100%. There have been many, many people over the years that I have said, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to help you. You're not going to be a good fit. I can't help everybody. And sometimes people need other practitioners. And I do my best to assess that and tell people that. I never want to take somebody on unless I'm 100% confident that I can help them. That's a big, big piece of what I do. And that's why I offer a free consult call and I do a detailed assessment so that we're sure that what I do is going to be a good fit. And yes, unfortunately, there have been women over the years with head injuries that I have said, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to help you. But if you are listening to this and you're concerned about that, please reach out to me. Let's find out. Can I help you or not? If I can't, I will tell you. But most people with head injuries can recover. That I have seen. So if you are, you know, worried about this, there's, like I say, I am going to give you my honest assessment of what I think is possible for you. So don't let your fear prevent you from reaching out. I'm here to help you in any way that I can. And I'm just going to say like the whole, what have you got to lose? Like if you're already suffering for 15 years from a head injury, what is one conversation going to hurt? You know, like, yeah, let's, let's see. Always been to check out the options for sure. So awesome. <laughs> well, wonderful, Mary. Well, thank you again. Thank you again for joining me today. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share on your social media or share with them privately. And if you want to stay connected, Join my free migraine Facebook group with over 12,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook, or go to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the group. Well, wonderful, Mary. I will talk to you soon. All right. See you guys then. And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and other popular podcast platforms. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share it with them. Share on your social media. Share within other migraine Facebook groups that you are in. We really want to get the word out that you can recover your health and stop getting chronic migraines. And if you want to stay connected, join my free migraine Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook or to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the Facebook group. 